Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment trying to beg the Saudis or the Venezuelans to drill more oil because Joe mm-hmm. Biden can't get anything done. They sent the envoy. <laughs> no, he's off for a well-deserved vacation. Uh, Joe Biden went to Saudi Arabia begging the Saudis for more oil after promising to turn them into pariahs over human rights abuses, specifically the murder of writer Jamal Khashoggi. You can really tell where everybody in the media's priorities are because they care so much about this, not about. I, I, listen, I don't want to. Don't misunderstand me. I, I, don't, I don't. I'm not gleeful that Jamal Khashoggi got trapped and then murdered and then dismembered. I'm not. I'm not glad that happened. It shouldn't have happened. It's disgusting. But the Saudis. I mean, are we kind of forgetting they they kind of did 9/11? Yeah, I don't they know. Did. It's like every all these people in the media are like, well, he killed someone who had a byline at the Washington Post, and that means we can't talk to them or something. I'm like, you know, they they throw gay people off of off of buildings, right? Mm-hmm. They have mass public beheadings there. I think if Joe had made such a big public uh, statement about his yeah his uh, his thoughts on the whole entire thing and the. The fist bump, which the fist bump heard around the world, uh, yeah. wouldn't be trending right now. That's true. Yeah. Well, we didn't get really anything tangible out of this meeting, but Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman did get a nice photo op with Joe Biden and got a little fist bump there. Sure. And you're right. If Joe Biden had never made a big deal about it, had never said, oh, we're going to make sure that they pay and they're going to be a pariah mm-hmm. and all that, I, don't, I think probably you'd still have media mad. But that's really the point, is that he's always playing to the media. So on the campaign trail, he knows media cares very deeply about the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Most Americans, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say what most people are thinking. Most people really don't spend a lot of time worrying about what happened to Jamal Khashoggi. No. Again, not saying most people are like, good, I'm glad he got executed. No, nobody's saying that. No. But most people don't uh, lay awake at night saying, boy, we really need to worry about our relationship with Saudi Arabia because of Jamal Khashoggi. But Biden played to the media on the campaign trail, and now he looks like an ass. Yep. Because he is one. And Joe really didn't like being asked about that fist bump. Did you hear this? I did hear this. Golly. Mr. President, do you regret calling the Saudis a pariah? I don't regret anything I said. Do you feel that way, though, Mr. President? I just answered your question. Do I regret it? I don't regret anything that I said. You, you hear that? He doesn't regret anything. I was going to say, he, what said. is regretting? Okay, go uh, ahead. Regretting is, is sort of like forgetting in advance, I think. That's, mm-hmm. that's what yeah. he, Or forgetting again? I don't, I don't know. know. Here he is. Happened to Khashoggi was outrageous. Mr. President? Yes. You're coming under a lot of fire for your fist bump with the crown prince. Why? <laughs> I just wanted to give you a chance to respond to that. But also, how can you be sure that another incident, another murder like Jamal Khashoggi won't happen again? God love you. What a silly question. How could I possibly be sure of any of that? I just made it clear. If anything occurs like that again, they'll get that response and much more. What response? A fist bump? Have the president of the United States go begging for them to pump more oil because 
what he's held hostage by the he, green weenie environmentalists. Is he going to do the handshake and when he brings the other hand out, he's going to pull it away? <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> like, what, what does he say? He's acting like we did something. Right. We didn't do anything. And, no. and now he's going he's gonna to double down on that. You kill somebody else. Now, I'll give him a little bit of credit here. And that when he says, what kind of stupid question is that, basically, it's true. I mean, what, what do you expect him to do about whatever the Saudi government's going to do? Unless you're talking about we're going to try to really make them pariahs on the world stage, what exactly is the recourse here? But you can't when you want to steal their cable. Right. right. I mean, you want to make, make nice with them, right? I mean, you don't want to piss them off now, no. Right. Yeah. Of course not. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I know my upstairs neighbor does meth all day and night, right. but man, I'm getting the the NFL Sunday ticket free. off of him for free. Yeah, I'm, I'm logging onto his Netflix account, so I guess you know yeah, what right by me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's a little bit more of what the president had to say. Look, you've heard me say before, and when I criticize Xi Jinping for slave labor and what they're doing uh, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Western mountains of, of China. And he said, I had no right to criticize China. And I said, look, I am president of the United States of America. Yeah, all he has is words. I, I criticized him for the uh, slave labor camps that they have in East, South, Northwest China. Um, but then you turn around and you sell them a bunch of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Mm-hmm. See, actions matter more than words. In this, yeah. Case. In, the, in the meantime, they're buying all our farmland. Right. Yes, and yeah, they're buying farmland. They have unprecedented influence on uh, social media, yeah, and traditional media here in the United States. But as I sent them as... a sternly worded letter and right. scolding them publicly, right. so that'll turn things around. Yeah, you're course. actively talking about removing tariffs on China to try to uh, lower inflation, things like that. So I really don't care what your strongly worded statement No, read. I don't either. I don't care less. <laughs> it's like e- either you're going to take a stand against it or you're going to say it's permissible. Mm-hmm. Just don't, you know, what is the old saying? Don't pee down my neck and tell me it's raining. It's raining. That's but that's right. all he does. And in fairness, mm-hmm. he I would have con- preferred foot, by it- the way. <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah. In fairness, Joe Biden can't control his bladder anymore. <laughs> right. yes, so he's, okay. it's more like wringing out the depends. <laughs> God. <laughs> Telling me that it's raining. Oh, my God. Oh, meanwhile, here at home, uh, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin has walked away from a massive spending plan his fellow Democrats have cooked up. And the socialists, of course, are mad about it, as are everybody else who uh, stood to make a a pretty penny off of this green weenie stuff that Joe Manchin said. I don't want to I don't want any part of it. We're we are in debt. We have runaway inflation. We can't send a trillion dollars out to our buddies and expect that to go away. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, though, he's really ticked off about this. Uh, This is during an interview with ABC's This Week. He got mad when the host brought up what Joe Manchin had said about it, which is primarily it's inflation. And Bernie Sanders is essentially saying nobody cares about inflation. Nobody cares. He's worried about inflation. Listen to what he told the West Virginia radio station. Listen to this, please. Is that right? Look, the same nonsense that Manchin has been talking about for a year. West Virginia, it's a beautiful state. I've had the pleasure of being there. Great people. It is one of the poorest states in this country. 
You ask the people of West Virginia whether they want to expand Medicare to cover dental, hearing, and eyeglasses. You ask the people of West Virginia whether we should demand that the wealthiest people and large corporations start paying their fair share of taxes. Ask the people of West Virginia whether or not all people should have health care as a human right like in every other country on earth. That's what they will say. In my humble opinion, you know, Manchin represents the very wealthiest people in this country, not working families in West Virginia or America. Yeah. And the lifeline industry for West Virginia, Bernie Sanders wants to do away with. Who's actually the enemy of West Virginia? Right. Okay, Joe Manchin knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. And he's saying, look, we're not going to further bankrupt this country and make inflation worse for something that is down the line going to hurt my constituents even more. Because you're talking about wanting to do away with the oil and gas industry. Well, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Fossil fuels, pretty big deal in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because of these greedy corporations. They, they want to kill Mother Earth for a profit. Nothing like that. I mean, there are people who are genuinely worried about this push to get rid of fossil fuels before we're even ready to actually make the jump. But Which yet, we're not. Right. Right. But, you know, socialist Bernie Sanders, you know, he's always looking out for the little guy. He says, yeah, that job you have, nah, we want to get rid of that. We'll find you a different job later. That's, that's basically his whole point. And inflation, nah, who cares about inflation? In his utopia, money is free and you're just going to be happy. Well, it doesn't matter to him. No. He's, he's fine. He's well off. He didn't care. No. No, he doesn't. Uh, all right. I, I want to get to a lighter story. I guess you could call this a lighter story. This lady's video is making the rounds, uh, and Scott, I, uh, this is something new. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but mm-hmm. she identifies as a kitten. Well, who am I to say no? <laughs> and, she right? has, and she has a kitten family, and she explains to us what certain meows mean in her kitten family. Oh, my gosh. Now, you have cats. I have cats, and uh, yeah. maybe we can use our respective mm-hmm. expertise in this field to know right. whether or not this kitten lady... Uh, <laughs> Oh, I'm already anticipating this. I haven't even heard it yet. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay, so first off, we have the normal meow that we just use mostly to get each other's attention. Meow. Okay, then we have the dissatisfied meow. <laughs> then the angry meow, but we only use this one on rare occasions because overall we're a very happy kitten family. Meow. <laughs> Then the happy or content meow. Meow. Okay, then one of the most important ones for our kitten family is the I want to go potty meow. It took me a really long time to master this meow because it it needs to be really specific in order for my kittens to understand. Meow, meow, meow. Okay, this is the most important meow for me, and it's the I need help wiping meow. Oh, God. Is that the sound your cats make when they need to be wiped? Just say for the record, I don't wipe my cats. <laughs> so, they, they do a fine job on their own. They, yeah, well, they're, they're, yeah, their toilet paper is their tongue. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, okay, so, what a kook. Well, yeah. Does she? Are you saying when you say, when she says the other kittens are those her children? I, I think those are other people that she knows. Oh God, I was gonna say because there and, is I, no and way. I, I cut one part out because it was a little bit too suggestive, mm, gross. Oh. But she talked about you know 
that that and okay. so i don't think she's talking about actual cats i think she's actually talking You're about talking to, yeah, her well. kitten family being other yeah. sick people like her that's where right. we live right now that's that's the united states god she's out there yeah she is holy cow uh I know you like this audio coming up. It's a mainstream media media journalist wondering if the news industry is doing more harm than good. I love Can I this. answer that? Yes. Yeah, yes. we'll get to that next. Okay. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. Do you want to hear Kamala Harris explain Venn diagrams? Explain what? I'm sorry. Venn diagrams. You know, you got Venn... two circles where you see them where they overlap. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. She's, why would she be describing Venn diagrams? Uh, she's talking about rights being under assault because of voter okay. ID laws and pro-life laws being right. passed in various states. Okay. okay. And here is the vice president. You know, I asked my team to, to you know, I, remember Venn diagrams, those three circles, right? And then let's just see where they overlap. So I asked my team, I said, you know, do a Venn diagram on two circles for me, um, and, and in particular. The overlap of states that are attacking the freedom to vote and attacking women's freedoms over their own bodies. There are 10 states that are doing both. Here's the point. Our freedoms are all connected. You look perplexed, Scott. Can you explain I, to me the point when, she was making? I have no idea. There, there. I don't have any idea. What is? What does that even mean? I mean, this. I got a story I'm going to do a little bit later about one of her speechwriters left. Oh yeah, like the second one. Yeah, is gone, and now there's this thing online. I don't know if you've seen this or not. Uh, write a speech for Kamala is trending right now. <laughs> really. Can I give you an example yeah, of one? Yeah, absolutely. Real quick Go for it. Yes. All right. Uh, this one is how much we must ask ourselves would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? <laughs> Solemn expression. Dramatic pause. Woodchuck wood? <laughs> that is the question we must ask ourselves. If we were woodchucks, <laughs> woodchuck wood. We are woodchucks. We are all woodchucks. <laughs> You know what, though? My only problem with that is that's more coherent than what Kamala It, it, it is. I don't even know what. I, again, you just it's just these words that just float out there. Just golly. You would think, you know, your political uh, cash would go up mm -hmm. once you became a vice president. Hers has actually gone dramatically down. Absolutely it has because she, she got She was better exposed. off piping up during a, a Senate hearing on something. Yeah. You know, it, it's she's. I mean, here's the thing, though. They got they got nobody else to prop up. You well, know, no, I, they don't. I mean, this is somebody that they just kind of assumed. Well, you've been in the game for long enough. Of course, you're going to be able to do the job. You're going to be able to get across a coherent message. And if anybody disagrees with you, we got your back, Kamala. We'll we'll call them sexist and racist. Yeah. Except she sucks at the job that she does. Yes. And there's no tangible benefit to having her as vice president of the United States. There's nothing like what like the whole thing. You look back. Um, I'll just use the most two most recent vice presidents we'd have before her. Mike Pence. Mike Pence was there as, you know, doing the work of putting together the federal judiciary, nominating judges, getting those judges confirmed throughout mm -hmm. the judiciary. 
Uh, that was his thing. He's going to be the guy that can also sort of calm the conservative fears that many conservatives had about Donald Trump. Is he going exactly. to go to? Is he going to wind up going to the left? Uh, you know, that was the concern early on in his presidency. Uh, when you look at even Vice President Joe Biden, what was the what was the goal there? What what was the purpose that he served? Is that one he could sort of assuage the fears of maybe white rural voters. That was the theory at the time, at mm -hmm. least, because at least the, in the political class, they believed that white rural Americans would be so freaked out by a black guy that they would need this white doofus running with him. That was not true. I think personally that's pretty racist uh, outlook right. on life. But that was one of the reasons. And the well, other there was reason, a calculation there. Right. Yes. But the other calculation yeah. there is that uh, he'd been in the Senate for 100 years. Exactly. And so yeah. he could, you know, be the liaison between the White House and the Senate. Mm -hmm. You go back to Dick Cheney. What was the term they used constantly when he was the running mate? Gravitas. He added yeah. gravitas, gravitas because he'd been around forever. Yeah, and he was sort of a badass. What, you know? what does yeah. Kamala Harris bring to the equation other than she checks off a couple of boxes in this right. weird identity politics thing i mean sometimes it's geography but she's from california yeah i mean son of sam would win if it was <laughs> i mean if it was a democrat right i mean right. It just it, it, she brought nothing there i don't know and and the thing is is the peter principle in play right here mm -hmm. you know you see it happening every time she opens her mouth oh yeah gosh dang uh meanwhile uh, again uh, we get this report from the Texas House of Representatives that's been investigating the shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde. Yeah. And, you know, what else can you say? That thing was a catastrophe from beginning to end, not only because 19 children and two teachers were murdered, but the people who were supposed to go in and save them did absolutely nothing. They're saying 400 or almost 400 law enforcement personnel from various agencies were mm -hmm. on the scene, many of them inside. And nobody did anything for 77 minutes. It's, it's so infuriating. And then meanwhile, uh, outside of Indianapolis, Greenwood, Indiana, guy walks in with a rifle, starts shooting people at a mall. Mm -hmm. Well, he, he did sadly kill three people. But how was he stopped? A citizen with a gun. Yeah. An armed civilian shot and killed him. And so remember these stories whenever they start coming for your gun. Mm -hmm. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's uh -huh. on special assignment. <laughs> well, the media is going nuts over this new COVID subvariant. What is it now? BA5 or some whatever. Uh, 8675309. It's the Tommy Two Tone Jenny Jenny <laughs> variant here. Yes. Uh, so the media is going nuts over this new subvariant, and most people, here's the thing, they don't care because of either natural immunity or the vaccines. Most people are not getting seriously ill from it. And right. we also, finally, we have public health officials who are willing to differentiate, uh, differentiate pardon me, uh, between people who are in the hospital and happen to have COVID versus people who are in the hospital because they have COVID. COVID. Yeah. And so, thankfully, you know, it's a little too late, in my opinion, because we completely wrecked our country before realizing what some idiot on the radio knew two years ago. Mm -hmm. But whatever. At least we're at that point now. Now, uh, there are doctors who are going rogue in L.A. So with the L.A. County USC Medical Center, uh, they were doing a press conference a couple days ago, and they were talking about this. 
because, you know, L.A. is staring down the barrel of another mask mandate. Well, yeah, hair gel is all about it. And uh, because of case numbers. And he's saying, right. look, this doctor is saying, no, no, we're not talking about case numbers anymore. Let's look at the hospitalizations and the way that he explained this. I think it's, it's great. And more people need to be standing up and doing this. And percent of our COVID positive admissions are admitted due to COVID. Virtually none of them go to the ICU. And when they do go to the ICU, it is not for pneumonia. They are not intubated. They are not these horrible 100% FIO. We haven't seen one of those since, since February. It's been months. What we see is electrolyte abnormalities or somebody who had autoimmune attack of the nerves. And could that have been related to COVID? That's the kind of stuff that we're seeing. It is just not the same pandemic as it was, despite all the media hype to the contrary. Yeah. Mm. And officials in California are like, hush, 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 hush. Yeah, that guy needs to shut it now. <laughs> Hold on a second. We got to spend more cash. We got to get our buddies richer. Come on. What are you doing, man? Oh, my going gosh. Going hiding right now, man. Just... Nancy Pelosi needs to pad her stock portfolio, man. Why are you downplaying this? Mm-hmm. But it's true, and that's evident, is that you know most people are not winding up in the ICU because of pneumonia like you said you needed to be on a respirator or whatever oh yeah you know when you hear icu numbers i think a lot of people assume you've got people in the icu who are hooked up to all sorts of machines because they can't breathe on their own Mm -hmm. and while that is true sadly for a small percentage of the of the patients that are showing up at the hospital right now it's not the norm and yet here we go the full-on press for panic in the streets you know, I don't know, you see the Today Show, CBS Mornings, Good Morning America. You know, it's not quite as bad as it has been, but you still have the alarm bells ringing. Oh, this is the, 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 the most contagious version of COVID yet. Except even within the context of that press conference, the doctors were saying, we're basically seeing people with bad colds. And, yeah. and that's about it. That's where we are with, with COVID. It's not a death sentence. Um, It was never nearly as much of a death sentence as media hyped it up to be. It was certainly more dangerous a couple years ago. But now we know what we're dealing with. Now there are treatments available. And and we need to get back to living. This idea of even entertaining something like school closures, mask mandates, uh, business closures, anything like that is just beyond the pale stupid. It's idiocy. And I don't, again, I don't know how many of these people have just been so, uh, so focused on COVID that they can't understand. They're sort of missing the forest for the trees. Or if it is about power, I think it's kind of an equal mix between the two. I think policymakers see an opportunity again to either print more cash and try to pad their own stats. Uh, and then there are other people who have just been, frankly, they've, they've allowed themselves to be brainwashed into thinking that this is something that is uh, on top of mind for everybody now, when it's really not. And that- well, Gavin Newsom, meanwhile, is you know, in California, and they're already talking about face masks everywhere yeah. again, going back to that. And this guy's running ads in Florida saying, hey, come to California. Boy, we, we really, really love freedom in this state. Yeah. I mean, the guy does it with a straight face. Oh, he does. Yeah. I mean, he talks about things that don't exist in his own state. Right. Golly. And, you know, hearing about, uh, hearing even a doctor criticizing the media for hyping up or overhyping COVID right now. 
brings us to this. Katie Turr from MSNBC. Oh, God. This is so close to a moment of clarity for someone in national media. So she's got a book out, and she's promoting it. She was doing an interview, and she talked about the state of the media right now and how nobody actually trusts the media. And again, so close, so close to actually understanding what the issue is with trust in the media. There was just a Gallup poll out today that shows that the trust in in media and newspapers and television is hitting an all-time low. People don't trust us. They don't believe us. And it makes me wonder if this job, as I'm currently doing it, is effective, uh, but if it's doing more harm than good. I don't have a good answer for that. Well, I do. It, yes, you do. Yes. No, they don't. And for good reason, they don't. Yeah. Let's start with Russian collusion hoax. Mm-hmm. Maybe throw Steele dossier in there. Yeah. And while we're at it, how about Hunter's laptop? Yeah. How about Trump grabbing the steering wheel of the beast? <laughs> None of these stories are true. You, right. you covered every single one of them breathlessly. Yeah. Michael Avenatti for president. Remember that one? Remember when Trump overfed koi fish in Japan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember that, that one? Yeah. one? Yeah. He was killing he... koi fish in Japan. <laughs> God, I mean, you, you all did it. Yeah. I mean, th- that's the thing, man. I mean, you, you you look at the last four years in particular. Actually, now it's it's more like seven years, uh, starting with the Trump uh, campaign when it was launched in 2015. There has been so much disinformation that's been passed uh, around as news. And I don't understand how anybody trusts national media to do anything right. Because so many of these bombshell stories turn out to not be true or overinflated. I mean, the koi fish thing was really funny in, in Japan. It's like, yeah. well, no, because <laughs> the whole image was there was one image of him dumping right. a box of fish food. Fish food. And <laughs> it was like some ceremonial feeding of the, I don't remember exactly <laughs> right. what the thing yeah. was, but he's there with uh, the late and former uh, prime minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe. And uh-huh. you're supposed to put like a teaspoon or a tablespoon or whatever of fish food in there. And then he dumped it. And there was just a picture of him doing it when he was just following the lead of what Shinzo right. Abe had <laughs> right. just done. Just done. <laughs> but it's like he wants to kill people. Or remember NBC News. And Katie Turr actually covered this yes. as a reporter for it. Yeah. MSNBC was uh, when Trump convinced a couple in Arizona to drink fish tank fish, cleaner. Fish tank cleaner. Because, yeah. oh, they, it had chloroquine in it or whatever. Yep. They actually tried to convince people that Donald Trump was telling people to ingest fish tank cleaner when he was actually talking about hydroxychloroquine, right? which is an approved drug. <laughs> you know, whether or not it helps with COVID, that's been debated right. back and forth. But mm-hmm. it, it, nobody, certainly nobody said, go out and, you know, mix fish tank cleaner into your soda and drink it. Nobody yeah. said that. But they did during the campaign trail or on and the Katie campaign Turr's trail. And scratching her head, yeah. wondering why. I mean, you called, by the way, neo-Nazis are fine people. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. That was a lie. Oh, that was a huge lie. Total lie. Um, yeah. So you want you want to know whether or not you're doing more harm than good. Yeah. You're, you're doing more harm. How about one of my favorites when he cleared the protesters with tear gas in oh, front yeah. of the church? Yeah. <laughs> and then months later and after the election, oh, yeah, actually, we got that one wrong. Yeah, that was wrong. Uh, we did, well, it didn't happen. Yeah. My favorite one, and I don't think anyone's ever actually uh, come out and admitted they got it wrong, but was that Trump was stealing mailboxes ahead of the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Trump's driving around <laughs> taking those big blue boxes. 
and he's stealing them because of the mail-in vote. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, speaking of Trump and campaigns, uh, Fox News put up this wild montage. I don't know if you've heard this. It's voters in Maricopa County, Arizona, asking people and Trump supporters whether or not Trump should run for president again. And I, I wonder how much of this is Fox News trying to get the message to Donald Trump. Yeah, you got to be careful with that. I think you're right, though. I've I, heard this, yeah. But, but here's the yeah. first part of it, where they're asked, uh, should Trump run again? I don't want him to. I like, uh, like what he stands for. I like what he does. But uh, he uh, upset too many people, and he upset him really bad. So I don't think he's good for the party. If he did, I would vote for him, but I would not recommend he runs. I, I, I voted for Trump both times, and I, I, I love him. I, I think he was a good candidate, but I think his time has passed. You know, I'm thankful for everything that he's done, but I think that our Republican Party needs to be united. At this point, he's a little too polarizing, and I think that there are candidates out there, Republican candidates, obviously, that um, maybe be able to pull in people that he would lose to be able to change this. Yeah. And the number yeah. one response for his replacement, it should come as no surprise, is uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Yeah. And I hear all those criticisms, and I get it. I'm good with either one running for president. Um, I'm good with both of them going head-to-head. I hope that Trump doesn't take everybody down with him. But, you know, I, I think that that's something that should happen. If, he want, if Trump wants to run, he should run. But I understand where people come from if they're saying, uh, you know, oh, he's polarizing. And certainly if he makes everything about the 2020 election, it, it, that's not that's not going to work in a primary. But if Trump can focus on, you know, in a primary, focus on where we are as a country, where we're relying on foreign aid for baby formula, where we're paying record gas prices, and they've come down a little bit, thank God. If he can do that, then sure, but I don't know if he can help himself. I just think people are starving for a new face, yeah. a young face. I can see uh, that, too. I think he's too damn old. Um you know, I, uh, but I, that's just my thoughts. You know, I don't know. Ron DeSantis offers us a vision, and also he's not afraid to push back hard when he has to. Yeah. Now, the latest I saw today was Gavin Newsom was after him. Yeah. Because the Special Olympics. Because DeSantis says, hey, you know what? Because the Special Olympics is like if our, our athletes aren't vaccinated, they can't participate in the Special Olympics yeah. games going to be held in florida and DeSantis said well if that's the way it is and don't come here you know and of course yeah. gavin newsom seizes on it saying see he wants those kids not to have their olympics and he's like no <laughs> i just want a bunch of kids who can't do it because of health reasons yeah they're they're not going to have it i want them to be able to participate yeah, just I like everybody that. else yeah. idiot right but uh you know that's the type of guy i want i want a guy who pushes back yeah. pushes back hard and doesn't let him get away with stuff and he's like that so he's got that part of trump with him yeah. but he doesn't bring the other stuff either that's true so yeah I, I, and he's 43 so you know yeah, yeah let's go not not an, no no more elderly people in the white house is what i'm no hearing. i absolutely yeah. not no <laughs> i understand that yeah it's time to bring you know some rock and roll back there yeah. you go uh yep. Oh, man, did you see Fox Sports had to apologize for, well, a 9-11 error? Uh-oh. This is wild. We'll get to it now. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. Um, well, Fox Sports had to apologize over the weekend 
Uh, they use for being the, lame. N- well, they use the 9/11 Twin Towers Ground Zero sites for oh, graphics promoting the Boston Red Sox Yankees game. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, it showed uh, the New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox logos superimposed on the two 9-11 memorial sites during the broadcast of the game Saturday night. Ooh, Jeez. that's where Man. the North and South Towers once stood. Yeah. Uh, Fox's Baseball Night in America logo was also over the Memorial Plaza. Um, they put out a, an apology saying, well, during tonight's telecast, we used poor judgment on the use of a graphic. We sincerely apologize and regret the decision. You know, I asked you earlier, how does this stuff, because this is a committee, yeah, and they sit around a table and they talk about what they're going to put into the graphics and whatnot before a game. So this went through several people, and nobody, nobody, not one person went, hey, this is not cool. I mean, I, I, I still think, man, it, there's a possibility that uh, most of the people who are designing and okaying the graphics and how they're going to present them may not even even been alive well, when September 11th happened. You know, I wasn't alive when Abe Lincoln walked to the earth either, but I know a little bit. You know, it just, I, it's just bizarre to me because nobody does anything there on their own. No. You know, this is all committee. Yeah. Yeah. So then, I don't know. Then go. It'll just be really bad idea. judgment. Yeah. Really bad judgment. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, uh, I, <laughs> I just saw this at the college fix. Yeah. Gender activists are pushing to bar anthropologists from identifying human remains as male or female. Oh, my gosh. Because, oh, my gosh. Because well, we, don't, we don't know how they would have identified. Golly. <laughs> Cross, okay. All right. Uh, as soon as ancient human remains are excavated, the article reads, uh, archaeologists began the work of determining the number of traits about the uh, individual, including age, race, and gender. But there's a new school of thought within archaeology that's pushing scientists to think twice about assigning gender to ancient human remains. Because it's possible to determine whether a skeleton is from a biological male or female. But gender activists are arguing scientists cannot know how ancient individuals identified themselves. Oh, my gosh. There's a master's degree candidate. Uh, in in Canada, who said, you might know the argument that the archaeologists who find your bones one day will assign you the same gender as you had at birth. So regardless of whether you transition, you can't escape your assigned sex. And she's also arguing that assigning biological sex to ancient humans uh, is BS. Okay. I have a question. Okay. My question is this. Yeah. When are we going to, as a society, it'll start with newsrooms, going to stop identifying people who are wanted for criminal activity by their sex? Well, we, well I guess so we should. The police are looking for a suspect, a male, about five foot six with brown hair. And, we don't you know, know that it's a male. We don't know it was. <laughs> I mean... I mean, this is one of those things that uh, the the goal of the woke left is to just completely destroy and render meaningless everything. Yeah. Male, female, whatever. Freedom, slavery. They just cat, male or female or right. dog? Well, or... I don't know. I don't know how that. I don't know how my cats identify. I think they're boys and girls, but I don't know. <laughs> how could I possibly know? I don't speak dogs. Flip them over. This Let's is the Mark Van Camp and Robin Show. <laughs> Are you ready?
Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends, yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment today. He's going to Saudi Arabia to try to get a little bit more oil. Not really. He's, he's, he's not saw, working on behalf of the U.S. government. I just saw a great meme. It's all the leaders of Saudi lined up for their group photo with Joe Biden. Yeah. That's a real... I mean, they're all standing there. Somebody put a gas can in Joe's hand. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, right? So Joe Biden says, I'm going to hold them accountable for killing that uh, reporter, columnist, uh, Jamal Khashoggi. That's right. And all other human rights abuses. But uh, we're going to set that aside because we need more of that sweet, sweet Saudi oil. <laughs> you better believe it. We got it. We need it. All right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we could have it. We just aren't going to get it. So <clears throat> yeah. we're, coming to, we're coming to you. So he gets the uh, fist bump from Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince. Uh, that's not a good look. Again, he put himself in that position. Yes, he did. Yeah, I think you can go and 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 try to get them to help regulate the price of oil around the world. I get that because that's reality. That's called reality. Mm-hmm. You have to do business with people, even if you find them reprehensible, if they can provide something that benefits you. That's right. There is always a line that you will not cross. But... Until you are willing to say that that is a line we will not cross, then everything is fair game, period. And to all the people who are upset about him going to Saudi Arabia like that, I think it makes us look weak because because of the strong statements that he's made about uh, the Saudi royals, um, it makes him look completely weak, especially because they didn't give him what he wanted, but... At the end of the day, this is real world. This is the real world, kids. I mean, you sometimes you got to do business with people that you don't like at all. So it's interesting, though, that Joe Biden gets so flustered when he's asked about this because, again, he put himself in this position. Joe didn't like being asked about the fist bump heard around the world, not one no. bit. Mr. President, do you regret calling uh, uh, the Saudis a pariah? I don't regret anything I said. Do you still feel that way, though, Mr. President? I just answered your question. Do I regret it? I don't regret anything that I said. What happened to Khashoggi was outrageous. Mr. President, you're coming under a lot of fire for your fist bump with the crown prince. (laughs) I just wanted to give you a chance to respond to that. But also, how can you be sure that another incident, another murder like Jamal Khashoggi won't happen again? God love you. What a silly question. How could I possibly be sure of any of that? I just made it clear. If anything occurs like that again, they'll get that response and much more. What what response? A fist bump and a smile? (laughs) I mean, honestly, what... What response here? I I don't I mean. I, <laughs> he called him a pariah. So I'm just wondering if maybe he'll call his mom ugly or something next time. <laughs> yeah, I'll say mean things about you. Uh, meanwhile, I'll I'll grovel to try to to get some help for you. Jeez, I don't know. Man. And all this going on, he doesn't have to do it. He doesn't have to do it. You can go and talk to oil and gas producers here in America. Ask them, what do they need? 
in order to produce more oil. And it's yeah. not just drilling it and getting it into barrels or into holding containers. It's about the refining process. And as we've been talking about for months now, one of the reasons why domestic production has fallen off so much is because of refining capacity. Because, look, oil and gas companies are definitely out to make a profit. And if they know that their product, if the current administration gets its way, will be completely obsolete in five years, it won't be. But um, if they think that everything that the Biden administration is doing is designed to hurt their business, they're not going to invest billions of dollars into increasing the capacity to refine oil. That's just not, again, this is the real world, kids. That's not how this works. Mm -hmm. And you still got, the what's his title? It's made up title, the climate czar, John Kerry. Oh, John, <laughs> John yeah. Kerry. Uh, I mean, he's, uh, <laughs> he's overseas saying, yeah, we got to push the gas pedal even harder when it comes to getting rid of fossil fuels. Did you hear this quote from him? No, I haven't. So I think that uh, uh, the challenge for all of us now is that no one country can solve this problem by itself. We all have to be able to reduce the emissions. We have to accelerate the transition. Yeah, we got to accelerate the transition. And what you're really talking about there, not, not trying to be uh, hyperbolic or anything like that, but you are literally talking about mass starvation and death. I mean, do, do you not see what's going on in Sri Lanka, what's going on in many Western European countries? where you have farmers, you have consumers, you have everyday citizens speaking out against their government because they're having to ration fuel, or at least that's the prediction. They're, you know, in the case of the Dutch farmers, they can't produce enough food because of nitrogen caps. And you're not just talking about starvation in Western Europe or where these, where these uh, the specific protests are happening. You look at multiple African nations that rely on that, rely on food imported from Europe, uh, both Western Europe and Central Europe. You're talking about mass starvation and death when you're talking about accelerating this green transition. Because like it or not, the world runs on fossil fuels. Everything from the corn on the cob you get at the grocery store to, uh, to a market in Sub-Saharan Africa. Fossil fuels had a hand in most of it. Mm -hmm. And to hear this guy and so many others willing to sit down with tyrants to quietly increase oil supply while also convincing Western nations to decrease their own production of it is shameful. I mean, it, it, there's no other word for it there. I mean, there are there are other words, but I, sure I can't yeah. I can't no, say can't. them on the radio no. because otherwise I'd get in a lot of trouble. But I, it's just so confounding just trying to push this whatever you want to call it, great reset, uh, globalism, whatever label you want to put onto it. It's it's really despicable because they do see humans around the world as just completely expendable. As long as they can feel like they are completing their mission, you don't matter. Uh, the governors of Texas and Arizona, meanwhile, 
have been sending charter buses full of illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C., and now homeless shelters there are filling up. Did you see that story, Scott? Yes, I did. I know that Muriel Bowser, the yeah. mayor, is upset about that. Yeah, she says the federal government's got to do something. I mean, not well, about that's the... freaking too bad. Yeah, not, not that's about... freaking too bad. <laughs> it's not, not do anything about the border crisis, but about all these people showing up in her city. See, it's fine if they're showing up uh, along the border. It's fine if they're showing up in San Antonio. It's fine if they're showing up in Dallas-Fort right. Worth. It's fine when they show up in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> but real people live in D.C. We've right. got to do something about this. Well, again, when you have absolutely no skin in the game, it is easy to advocate for stuff that will not ever affect you. Right. And that's where she thought she was. Yeah. Not so fast, Muriel. Yeah, here, here's what if she said. If you want said. to start bitching to somebody, i could got some names for you. You can start there. Yeah. yeah. Alejandro Mayorkas. Absolutely. President Joe Biden. Absolutely. Vice President Kamala Harris, who was yes, supposed to get to the bottom czar. of the Root causes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Here's what Muriel Bowser said on Face the Nation. Well, this is a very significant issue. Um, we have for sure called on the federal government uh, to work across state lines to prevent um, people from really being tricked uh, into getting on buses. Uh, we, we think they're largely asylum seekers uh, who are going to final destinations that are not Washington, D.C. Uh, I worked uh, with the White House to make sure that FEMA provided a grant to a local organization um, that is providing services to folks, um, but I fear that they're being uh, tricked into nationwide um, bus trips when their final destinations are places all over the United States of America. Yeah, yeah the people you advocate for now are letting you down, Muriel. Mm -hmm. I, don't blame, I don't blame Florida or Texas one iota. You no. guys have created the problem here. Deal with it. Yeah. We're full up here. And you can't get mad for, for them doing this i mean i think you know when abbott announced it when we talked that he was going to be having these charter buses go up to dc you mm -hmm. know i thought it was it was kind of funny yeah. it was obviously a political stunt but the point of political stunts is to actually try to affect change and right. what happened now is that you've got these people who are all about open borders all about the people just coming here to live the american dream are suddenly saying, hey, we got a problem here because they're filling up the homeless shelters. Yeah, well, they're in my town now. Well, hey, yes. jackass, what the hell do you think happens all over the country when That's the right. government flies them That's to right. city A, B, or C? Yes. What do you, what do you think happens there? Mm -hmm. well, these migrants aren't a drain on resources. Well, it sounds like you're saying they're a drain on resources now, aren't you? Yeah, maybe you should advocate for stopping them. Yeah, may maybe, just maybe, we need to send the message that the border is not open. No, it's that not it open. Is if you want to apply for citizenship, then that's fine. It's it all it, it. This is how change happens when it starts affecting you. Yeah. And if you think you're impervious to it or somehow you're bulletproof, you're wrong. It will eventually get to you. Sure. They'll run out of targets and they'll come after you. Yep. And in Muriel Bowser's case, it's because you advocated for what was going on at the border. Then deal with the consequences of your decisions. Yeah. Honestly, they should Perfect. be. They should be throwing a parade. Absolutely. For the people who are, who are winding up there. Forcing people to take them into their homes. If they have an extra bedroom or two, then you got to take them. Absolutely. Yep. And actually walk the walk if you're willing to talk the talk, right? Absolutely. Because after all, they're just fleeing oppression. Yeah. yeah they just want the American dream. Why That's is Muriel all. Bowser trying to deny them yeah, that? Why, why does she hate these people? Yeah. yeah. Uh, on a lighter note, someone lost their emu in Houston. Did you see this? I did. The cops had to go get it. So it's like a pet emu, and it's legal to own an emu, and yeah. so they returned it to the owner. 
Uh, the giant bird was just running around on Thursday afternoon. This lady named Yvette Fleming saw it. And I, her play-by-play, I think, is really funny because it's just flabbergasted at seeing this gigantic bird. Uh, she calls it an ostrich. I, I mean, again, I'm not, a, I'm not a giant bird expert. It is an emu, no. though. Yeah. Um, but here, here's her play-by-play of this as they're chasing this emu through a parking lot. Did y'all see this ostrich? Somebody that lost their ostrich. Uh-oh, he taking off running. <laughs> he, he moving now. He moving. What on? Who in the world? What the? What on earth? Y'all, that is crazy to me. I mean, just speechless, <laughs> man. You got to eat. Her sentences die mid-word. That's funny. But the emu is fine. I'm yeah, fine. good. All right. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. Uh, Joe Biden, you know, said he wanted to make Saudi Arabia a pariah among nations because of the killing of columnist Jamal Khashoggi. And he just fist bumped the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, the guy who had Khashoggi dismembered. And Democrats are having a real hard time with this because, remember, they went after Donald Trump because it happened at all. Like, somehow it was his fault that Jamal Khashoggi got dismembered. Like, yeah, that, that, mm-hmm. that's not how any of that worked. And then mm-hmm. when, when uh, he was trying to solidify ties between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia, the Democrats got all over him for it. And now they're getting a little bit tongue-tied because they don't know what to do. That's the thing about talking tough. You better be willing to back it up or else just shut your mouth. Uh, Senator Chris Coons was on CNN yesterday, and he's talking with Jake Tapper. And Jake Tapper, of course, he's, he's like, Khashoggi is one of the most important stories the world's ever known. Uh, and he's asking Chris Coons about this. Like, hey, uh, don't you see this as a problem? That fist bump photograph, I think a lot of Americans saw that and were revolted by it. What I'm revolted by is what I saw in Bucha and what is a brutal and tough choice that our president faces Um, is the path forward when Russians are committing horrific human rights abuses every day. Okay, but we're not not asking about the Russians. uh, Right. He didn't. (laughs) He answered a different question. Yeah. This is this happens all the time now. Yeah. They just they he Jake Tapper asked a question and his response has nothing to do with the question you were just asked. He has a question he wanted him to ask, but he didn't ask. It's like so. So it's what, crazy. So the train. Well, you, it, you know the problem with that is, and I listen to this all the time. The problem with that is, you hear the question, you hear the answer, you think to yourself, maybe I just didn't understand the question. Maybe I misheard the question because that answer has nothing to do with what I perceive to be the question. You go back and listen to it. You say, no, I was right. It doesn't have anything to do with it. And that is defined by the Scott Robbins trademark term McGurkin. McGurkin, because it's just a whole spew of nonsense. It's words. You understand them. They're all cobbled together, though. And when spoken, they make no sense. Yeah. (laughs) What the hell was that? Well, it's, it's, again, man. What is he talking about? It's deflection. That, that's all it comes down to. It's like, yeah, you can't actually defend this because if you defend this, you actually wind up showing yourself for the, well, shameless chode you really are. But now but, it's know, like, hey, we got to worry about Russia, okay, because Russia is you know, doing bad stuff in Ukraine. And, so don't worry about 
Mohammed bin Salman. Don't worry about the Saudi royal family. Don't worry about them. You know, somebody says to you, who is the greatest football player who ever lived? And you respond by saying, boy, I don't know, but talk about greatness. Pete Rose needs to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? <laughs> right. It's, like, it's, it's this relativism that, get, that gets tossed out there. Because exactly, yeah. Like, well, we, we need to cozy up to the Saudis so that they bring more oil to the market because we're cutting Russia out. Uh, and all of that, but what what you're really saying is that these bedrock beliefs you say are interchangeable. That whatever fits you in the moment, in the moment, is yeah. what you're going to care most about. Jeez, man, it is wild. Holy, and, smokes. I'll, and I'll just point out again, you know, when people are talking about how awful the the killing of Jamal Khashoggi was, and it, it certainly was, but it's not the top ten when it comes to human rights abuses of the Saudi government. I mean, come on. No. People within Saudi Arabia who did 9-11, literally did 9-11. I mean, that, that's a bigger thing. If you're going to be whining about the president groveling to the Saudi royal family, I think that should be number one for every American, not, not some guy who had a byline on the Washington Post. But Khashoggi is one of them. Right. That's why the media cares so much about it. That's because right. Because he's one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, just real quick here on a lighter note, uh, poll found the most inappropriate things you wear to work include gym clothes, flip-flops, crop tops, and overalls, and, of course, Crocs. Now, I want to say for the record, I'm in favor of gym shorts and crop tops. <laughs> you're, I know you're wearing them right now. I, I have it's a crop creepy, top on man. as we speak. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show. Uh, probably the biggest story of the day would be uh, I mean, there are a lot of things flying around right now. I mean, we'll we'll have to get to the new report on what happened in Uvalde at Robb Elementary School. Uh, close oh. to 400 officers from various agencies on the scene, and yet nobody was willing to go in until well after it was time to go God in. Lee, man. Um, what's happening there? What are the what's the fallout from that? And what is going to change here? Uh, of course, the continuing story winds, but is is the economy and whether or not uh, we are in dire straits, whether or not there's a recovery coming. I don't think there is. So we'll get to that. We'll get to so much more. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is out today. Uh, so... Joe Biden, we know he is begging the Saudis for more oil after promising to turn them into a pariah because of the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. And we didn't get anything really tangible out of it, but the Saudis did. They got, you know, our president going and groveling to Mohammed bin Salman, giving mm-hmm. him the old fist bump. Sure. During a press conference, he says, hey, look, uh, we're, we're already fixing gas prices. Uh, he's not, but... Says we're already fixing gas prices, and they'll continue to go down here uh, in the U.S. You know, wait a minute. I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. I'm going to stop you right there because I've been told numerous times, numerous times, that the president has absolutely nothing to do with gas prices. Nothing. Yeah. But when they lower themselves all of a sudden, what, I'm supposed to pat him on the back? Nice job, Joe? Yeah. No. He doesn't have anything to do with it. You've told me that forever. Shut it. Right. And so gas prices fell about 50 cents from the all-time high set back in June. Yeah. About and a I'm month supposed ago. to feel grateful about that, too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and that's because people are changing their travel plans. The right. demand is going lower. 
Sure. Um, and then also because investors are looking at a worldwide recession, essentially. Yeah. So that's a problem there. But, you know, Joe Biden says, hey, we're already doing great work on the gas prices. Uh, and there's just one more thing that needs to happen okay. to make them go even lower. That's right. They've been coming down every single day, the best of my knowledge. When will we see the impact of this visit? I suspect you won't see that for another a couple weeks. And, 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 we'll, and we'll see more when we see gas stations start to lower their price consistent with what they're paying for the oil. There we go. You suck. It's <laughs> what a, no kidding. You blame the guy who owns the gas station. Yeah. Those fat cats who own those gas stations. That's what they're doing. And I I, I feel obligated to point out that the profit margins on gas are not all that high. No. But where they make their money is selling beer, selling candy, selling cigarettes, selling... Why do you think they do it? Right. I mean, that's why they do it. That's why chiclets cost you three bucks. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, a bottle of soda for three fifty. Sure, that sounds fair. No, yeah, it's there's seventy three different kinds of coffee when you go in there. Now. Right, that's. I mean, yeah, that's where the money is. Yeah, it's it, it's not in the gas, and so I, I can't believe that they just keep going back to that. Well, me either. I mean, yeah. seriously. Uh, hey, you know, that's really the only thing that needs to go down here is your gas prices need to change the little numbers outside. And while they're at it, can they bring the slab of slice of pizza down a little bit, Joe? <laughs> Start yelling at them about that. <laughs> Now there are there are a few gas stations who have done it as a promotion. I think it's brilliant if you're trying oh, yeah. to, if you're trying to promote it. It's like, hey, if you buy X, you know, you'll you'll save fifty cents or a dollar per gallon. And of course, national media loves to run to those guys and say, see, they're they're taking one for the team. There's one guy right. who lost ten grand on gas over the course of a week or something like that. But you know, he made up for it because of goodwill. I mean, it's a smart marketing strategy. But the reality is. Uh, that's not what's keeping gas prices high. You know, the one thing that Joe Biden could actually do, again, is deregulation. Stop listening to the Green Revolution people and deregulate as much as you can the oil and gas industry. Put the onus on them, honestly. Because if you say, okay, we're cutting all this red tape, we're, we're backing off of our climate goals and all this stuff, and they're still not refining enough oil to bring down the, the price of gas sufficiently, mm-hmm. in that case, then you can blame them. Then you can blame corporate greed. But right now, it's all hollow, and he's, he's resorting time and time again to blaming a small business owner for the fact that gas is expensive. And it's despicable. It is. Uh, it really is. Meanwhile, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin has walked away from a massive spending plan his fellow Democrats have cooked up. The socialists, of course, are mad about it, which to me shows that he did a good thing. Because, listen, <laughs> if guys like Bernie Sanders are mad, generally speaking, I'm assuming that whoever made him mad did the right thing. Um, so he was asked about this on ABC's This Week, and he is seething, saying, you are single-handedly trying to sabotage the president of the United States, sir. Senator Joe Manchin, of course, abruptly pulled the plug this week on the Democrats. No, Martha, he didn't abruptly. Martha, okay, he abruptly on Friday. He didn't abruptly do anything. He was sabotaging the president's agenda. No. Uh, Look, if you check the record six months ago, I made it clear that you have people like Manchin, Cinema to a lesser degree, who are intentionally sabotaging the president's agenda, what the American people want, what a majority of us in the Democratic caucus want. Nothing new about this. 
And the problem was that we continue to talk to Manchin like he was serious. He was not. This is a guy who is a major recipient of fossil fuel money, a guy who has received campaign contributions from 25 Republican billionaires. I like when that guy gets mad. Well, I really he's do. He's mad a lot, too. Makes me, yes, yes, it gives me joy, though. I just hope he runs in the primary again. Oh, gosh. Well, I, it seems like he's going to. I hope so. That he's going he's gonna to he, either. If nothing else, just stirring the pot yeah. and watching them all squirm. Yep. <laughs> I mean, even though right now you can actually look and objectively say that the things that Bernie likes, many of them have been tried in the executive branch to their abilities, to what they can legally do. Mm-hmm. And look around. What has it caused? It's wreaked havoc. It's yeah. not good. Do it. Make him the make him the face of the yeah. Democratic Party yeah, again. Absolutely. I, please do. Mm-hmm. Because that'll get people to run away even faster. Meanwhile, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, instead of focusing on his own state's problems, he's uh, measuring the drapes at the White House God. and uh, talking about national politics. He's running ads in Florida about how California loves freedom. Really. Yeah, that's right. It's so hilarious. <laughs> uh, he says the reason people are souring on the Democratic Party right now is because the Democrats get this, just aren't messaging well enough. <laughs> nothing to do with policy, nothing to do with right. anything else. It's, they're just not messaging effectively. They just don't know what to do. Talking to uh, Fox 11 in L.A., he says, hey, it's not about runaway inflation because that's happening everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's, it's acutely problematic here in the United States. He knows that, but nobody wants to correct the record. Here's what uh, Gavin Newsom said. You have to also recognize what you're up against. And right now, we're up against the ruthlessness of a Republican Party. And I say that not naively. I don't say that even blithely. That's not a cheap shot. You see what's happening to all the progress we've made in the 21st century. All of the rights that we in many ways have taken for granted that have been afforded since the 60s are being rolled back in real time. This is a totally different moment. And we have to wake up with a different mindset. And not just the old mindset in terms of just a collaborative mindset, a cup of tea, and everyone's going to work together to get along, figure ways uh, to, to advance the collective cause. And that's where the party needs to come in. Democrats need the Democratic Party, not the president, not a speaker, not a elected office holder. The party, the infrastructure, I think has to organize with more ferocity of focus, more determination to set the agenda set the course, and put the other party on the defense. They are dominating the narrative. The facts aren't on their side, but they're dominating the narrative. In this world right now, you dominate the narrative, you win. And that's what I'm worried about, and that's what I'm expressing. No, no, the problem for years was that Democrats were actually dominating the narrative. And as soon as they get power, people hate it. People hate what they actually do. Mm -hmm. The Republicans are not dominating the narrative. They're not doing nearly enough, in my opinion, to counter... Oh, the no. radicalism of the Democratic Party. No. Um, what's happening right now is they're being gifted the outcomes of bad policies. You know, that's why you see uh, once in 100 years or whatever flip from, re- uh, from blue to red in South Texas. That's why you see a lot of Hispanic voters voting Republican or planning to. This is how uh, in Kentucky, for the first time, Voter registration for Republicans has outpaced Democrats for the first time in, in generations. 
I mean, it's a big deal that's happening right now, and it's not because the Republican Party is just out there doing great work on the ground with messaging. It's because people are looking around and realizing that what the Democratic Party has to offer right now in the year 2022 is hot garbage. It's it's puberty blockers for kids. It's sex change operations for kids. It's critical race theory in schools. It's, you know, four dollar and fifty uh, four fifty a gallon for gas abortion up to nine months abortion up to nine months for just on demand taxpayer demand. Yes, that that's what they want. And that's extreme. All of it is extreme. And the people are now seeing the results of it and saying, "Okay, I'm not voting for them anymore or in large part not going to vote for them. Um, That's it. Again, it's not a messaging thing. That's what Democrats care about most. That's what the Democratic Party cares about most. You know, they want to have, you know, the good headshots. They want to have, you know, the uh, sparkling white teeth and whatnot of Gavin Newsom. They, they like the optics of things. They love slogans. Their policies fail. And his own state is a good example of that. Years ago, I remember when they were on, on and this was before he was governor, uh, they were un, uh, unveiling a bunch of left-wing socialist policies and saying, see, we're going to do this for the people of California. And in about a decade, the state of California is in shambles. And you got people leaving constantly, not because, uh, not because of the weather, not because of the scenery. It's because they can't afford to live there anymore. And in a lot of their metro areas, crime is out of control because of these left-wing ideologues who get in and say, we're not going to punish criminals anymore. So, and ultimately, people don't like being told what they should care about. Yeah. I mean, I'm tired of being lectured to that these are the things you should care about. Well, I don't. <laughs> Here's what I do care about, though. Mm-hmm. And if your party doesn't reflect what I care about, then I'm not going to vote for you, period. Yeah. And it seems to me that the majority of the people are with me. Not always, but at least with me yeah. most of the time. That is true. I don't know anybody who's losing sleep over green weenie stuff. I don't know anybody. No. I know a lot of people losing sleep because their wages are disappearing. Yeah. And they can't find baby formula. And there's the, the, the cost of living has skyrocketed. That's the thing that keeps people up at night. That's the thing people care about. Always have, always will. You can try to get me to care about this other stuff, but I don't. Yeah. Yeah, you're lecturing me about And quit proper... lecturing me about how I should. Right. You're lecturing about proper pronoun usage and whatnot. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, when, when people are opening up credit cards to buy food at a grocery store. Right. That's a problem. That's a big it, problem. It is a problem. So... Yeah, it's not the messaging. It's not. No, it's but the message. Let, let, it's the actions. I mean, yes. I say, you know, Democrats, if you want to say that it's all messaging, I go for it. It's not yeah. working anymore. You got Trump out, and now you're having to take responsibility for leadership, and you're failing. People realize it. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. You know, sometimes you read something that just makes your blood boil for so many different reasons because mm-hmm. it's this combination or confluence of things that have been frustrating you for a long time. And it, I, there are no words to accurately describe how horrific this really is. This is from the report, the interim report on the school shooting in Uvalde. Oh, gosh. 
where we learn, you know, the big headline, you got almost 400 officers from various law enforcement agencies, both, you know, local, state and federal, uh, around Robb Elementary School while this was all going on. Nobody did anything. You got some video from inside. The mayor of Uvalde is leaking video himself because he's tired of everybody else leaking around him. You got video that's making uh, it's making the rounds now, body cam footage, where one of the cops is trying to talk to the gunman saying, you know, sir, hey, come out, put down your rifle. We don't want anybody else to get hurt. Again, nobody is trained for that. For the last 20 years, nobody has been trained to negotiate with a gunman in a school. You go get them. They have the equipment. Yeah. What they lacked was a sense of urgency and a command structure. Of course, again, the training would be anybody who's there, you're assuming control. You go in and get them, period. Mm-hmm. The end. There's a line here about the relaxed vigilance on campus at Robb Elementary School. The reason or one of the reasons for this relaxed vigilance was the frequency of security alerts and campus lockdowns resulting from a recent rise of bailouts. Bailouts, that's the term used in border communities for the increasingly frequent occurrence of human traffickers trying to outrun the cops. Mm -hmm. So they crash the vehicle and then everybody runs away. The frequency of these bailout-related alarms, around 50 of them, between February and May of this year, contributed to a diminished sense of vigilance about responding security alerts, responding to security alerts. So when you have a security alert, people are thinking, okay, it's just more migrants or, uh, you know, more human traffickers, whatever, trying to outrun the cops. You're not thinking of it in terms of an active shooter. You're thinking, okay, here we go again. So while this is not the primary driver of the tragedy that we saw in Uvalde, Biden's border policies contributed to this terrible response to what happened. This is, you know, why we talk about the cascading effects of not having a secure border is that you never know how it's going to affect communities that are close to the border. You never know. And in this case, part of what went wrong in Uvalde was because they were having so many times where they'd have to go lock down because, you know, human traffickers were trying to run away from the cops. Yep. It's infuriating, man. Just because some people don't want to take responsibility for the crisis that we've all been seeing for a year and a half now under this president. It's not the primary driver. We know that. I'll acknowledge that. But, man, when that's even part of the conversation, there should be mass resignations in the Department of Homeland Security because they're not securing the homeland. No. I would take it a step further and say mass firings. Yes. Oh, yeah. At the, at the very least, people should be resigning in disgrace. But yes. you'd like to start seeing some firings. But that doesn't happen because you can't be bad enough to get fired in this administration. No. Doesn't matter how bad you are at your job. Doesn't matter how many people get hurt, how many people get killed. We have a vision of the world and we need to stick with it. That's right. Gosh, it's so frustrating. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. 
Hackley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is out today. Thank you so much for being here. So Joe Biden's trying to count this as a win. Uh, $4.50 per gallon gas mm-hmm. is apparently a win relative to where it was uh, about a month ago. I guess you could say that, but it's still not a win. Still a little higher where I am. Still right. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. I'm talking about just the AAA national right. gas price average. Mm-hmm. Still pretty high, and you're still hearing people saying, "Well, once demand uh, ramps back up towards the end of this month, uh, and uh, certainly when you're talking about uh, everybody getting vacation in or whatever it may be before school starts, and then the school start uh, will increase demand as well. Uh, you're going to start seeing these prices go back up." You know, analysts have not backed off of those forecasters, but the Biden administration wants to tell you, here's the thing, we're, we're going to get gas prices down by begging the Saudis for oil they may or may not produce and by blaming uh, small business owners. Uh, Joe yeah. Biden went back to the well on that one. Hey, we got to. We... <laughs> but it's worth mentioning again, for yeah. me anyway, that I was lectured more than once when gas prices were high. And I was like, hey, thanks, Joe. Prison has nothing at all to do with the price of gas. Yeah. Nothing at all. You just garbage. That's a lie. Why are you lying? Well, if he doesn't have anything to do with the prices being high, then he also has nothing to do with the prices coming down. But we, they, they want. They're pushing on us now. Look at look at Joe. Look yeah. at this. Look at what the president has done for you. Instead of a twenty dollar hot dog, now you only pay eighteen ninety five for a hot dog. <laughs> That's worth five dollars. I mean, golly. Yeah, and, and the thing is. It, and uh, we were pointing this out, too, when, when gas prices were hitting new record highs every single day. It's not completely on the president of the United States, except here's the problem is the president of the United States has been doing everything in his power to make sure that those gas yes. prices don't go down. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. I so, wasn't saying 100 percent right. of the blame rests at the feet of the president. No, at all. I understand that. Yeah. But if I'm if, if you're going to take all the credit now for this wonderful yeah. administration, and the things they're doing to make your life easier. Yeah. Well, uh, sorry. So you got this guy named Amos Hochstein. He is an energy advisor to President Biden. He's on CNN today. Uh, and he's asked, uh, so why are you so confident that gas prices will continue to go down? Because many analysts are saying really August is going to be uh, probably the worst of it that we've seen this year. And mm-hmm. they've been saying that for quite some time. And just listen to this guy completely lie about, about everything. The confidence comes from the fact that I think that our, the work that the president's doing internationally, combined with the work that he's doing domestically, I think is answering that, that, uh, that need. And that's why we're seeing these low prices. Just remember, Anna, just a few weeks ago, we had banks in the United States predicting that gasoline prices are going to go to $6 this summer and $7. They were predicting $300 or $180 for oil this summer and by the end of the year. And now the, those same analysts are now saying, well, prices are down, but they're going to go up later. Yeah, August was always the big month. August would be included in that prediction, jackass. Right, right, yeah. yes. I mean, it's always trying idiot. to scare the American yeah. public. And instead, let's just focus on the achievements that we have made as a country and be more confident with where we're... <laughs> be okay, more we confident. got 30 seconds to break. Go ahead. What are they? <laughs> yeah, what, what are the actual accomplishments here? Yeah, what are they? Because what you got out of the trip to Saudi Arabia was a fist pump, uh, fist bump with Mohammed bin Salman, a guy that you said you would not shake hands with. Mm-hmm. I guess technically that's true. He, they did the old fist bump. Mm-hmm.
and some non-committals from the Saudi government. Yeah, maybe we'll get. I don't know. Maybe we'll get around to doing something. I don't know, whatever. Whatever. I mean, the, the reality is, is that, and I and I hope I hope that all the analysts are wrong about this. For the sake of this country, I hope that the analysts are wrong, and that gas will continue to fall. I hope that Joe Biden is successful in this. I don't think it's going to happen because he is not being willing to or shown a willingness to rebuff all of the global warming hysterics out there uh, when it comes to dealing with the oil and gas industry. I mean, this guy won't even meet with oil and gas industry leaders. Not interested. He'll go fist bump a tyrant. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the guy at Chevron, nah, no, nah, not going to talk to him. The guy at ExxonMobil, nah, who cares? Not going to talk with that person. Nah, don't, don't worry about that. Um, no, I, I think you probably will see an increase in demand, and that's going to push prices even higher. Because without the backstop of having more oil being refined, more of it being produced into gasoline, which is really what the Biden administration is, is hampering, uh, it's still a limited supply. The other little dirty little secret is that Russian oil is still being imported into the United States. I know we made a big show about saying no more, but we were honoring future contracts. And so if that market does get completely closed off, if Putin completely closes that off, we're just not going to be able to replace that on the global market. Prices go up again. Mm-hmm. That's why people have been saying for months <laughs> that August is really the, the, day, the, the month that's going to be the worst for for gas prices here in the United States. And instead of getting ahead of it, they're wish casting. That's it. They're trying to say, let's take advantage of it. Let's remember the friends we met along the way is basically what she what he's saying. And it's uh, it's a real shame. Again, I I it, this is one that I'm just sort of marking for later. Mm-hmm. Because so many times when they make predictions out of the White House, it's just completely wrong. You know, inflation's going to pop up a little bit, then it's going to go back down. Everybody's saying that. Nobody, whatever. Uh, Afghanistan. Uh, nobody's nobody's expecting the Taliban to just take over. Well, they did no. in less than a month. Everything that they predict is wrong, is dead wrong. So get ready. Strap in. You know, save some money if you can right now because it's going to get worse. Uh, Meanwhile, in Minneapolis, the cops took out a violent armed criminal after a long standoff, and his victim is being harassed by protesters. Man, this is a jaw-dropping story. It really is. Uh, Techley Sundberg fired a gun into the apartment several times of a woman named Arabella Yarbrough. The cops rescued her and her kids. The cops were also shot at during during that rescue. There was a six-hour standoff, and it ended with the cops shooting him. Sniper team took him out. Uh, so protesters, of course, show up and they're talking about how the police are bad, Black Lives Matter, all that stuff. But the woman who was targeted by this guy confronted the protesters saying, hey, th- this is not the guy to mourn. And they actually yell back at her saying, well, at least you're alive. <laughs> He's not. God. This is infuriating. Here's yeah. some of the I think Kara Levin got uh, local TV station got this. Um, this is a leftist shame, violent crime victim. Because he said 
obviously going through a moment. You're that guy at the end. She's obviously going through, going a, through moment. a moment. Yeah, because yeah, a criminal shot at her and her kids. You see the GoFundMe that's up that the guy for this or the GoFundMe for this criminal. Uh, the guy is, that got killed? Yeah, is is higher than it is for the See, woman that he targeted. There is there's no rationale to any of this. And your rational brain cannot figure this out because there is no answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's irrational. The guy was shooting into a house where a woman and children were, fortunately didn't kill any of them, shot back at police. They shot him and killed him. What do you want people to do? Yeah. What do you want done, jackass? What do you want done? So I'm, I mean, I'm 100% serious. What should they have done? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting in the context of uh, what we're seeing out of Uvalde and the inaction on the part of the yes. police. A lot of these same people who are talking about, you know, hashtag BLM, all that stuff, oh, the cops never should, should have taken this particular guy out in, in Minneapolis, are the same ones who turn around and argue that, uh, the cops should have taken out the gunman in Uvalde quicker. You you actually can't have both opinions at the same time. No. Because in this case, it was a barricaded subject in Minneapolis. The guy had shot at people. He wasn't going to come out. He was a clear and present danger, and the cops, after six hours, killed him. That's what happens. If you're not going to surrender peacefully, the situation has to end for the safety of everybody else in the area. That's Sorry, right. the criminals. He may have been going through mental health stuff, whatever. He may have been. And that's a tragedy if it ended that way because he was having some sort of manic episode or whatever. But sorry, that's how these situations roll, man. If you're a clear danger, uh, I'm all ears to figure out how to make that situation work without somebody getting shot. But there, there really isn't a great way to handle that that doesn't involve violence. We also don't know with the police how many times they tried and efforted to get the guy out of there in a peaceful manner. Well, yeah, you don't sit there for six hours. No, absolutely not. Just waiting to pull the trigger. No. I'm sure there were negotiators there. There was all the right people there. He wasn't going to come out. Then you're going to die. You're going to die. But according to these left-wing agitators and protesters, this woman who was victimized is the bad one. Yeah, because she's still alive, for crying out loud. Yeah, you're, you're still alive. It doesn't matter that your kids were shot at. What did she do? Dope. What did she do to deserve being shot at by your hero? And people are giving money to, the, what, his family now? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, they're giving money to the family. Uh, there is a GoFundMe for her as well, but it's not raising nearly as much. So, and, and that's where we are right now. That's terrible. It is. It is really terrible. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. That makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah. I, I want to try to lighten things up here. Um, so a company in Japan has a new product called Nap Boxes to give workers a place to take power naps, but you have to sleep standing up, I guess, like oh, a horse. Well, that's tough. Yeah. So they're big cylinders with a door on the front that only fit in one person at a time. They basically look like a water heater with a door on the front. <laughs> Each one has three small shelves inside, strategically placed to support your knees, head, and butt. So you're partially supported, but still vertical. They say it's comfortable. Uh, It's in the early stages of development, so they haven't demonstrated it yet. Um, But apparently in Japan, it's common for workers to take naps in the bathrooms. 
So they're just mm-hmm. trying to give them a uh, better option. You can go in this little, you know, water heater nap capsule and take a rest. I like the idea of nap capsule. <laughs> I do. I like the idea. You, I don't know if I could nap sleep. Capsule. Yeah, and I think I've fallen asleep standing up before, but it was not in a sober situation. Right. I was going to say, how many beers yeah. did you have? Right. Yeah. No, that that was before you stopped drinking. That was your. Yes, right. uh, that was your. Uh, nap capsule. That was my nap capsule. Tall boy yeah. and Miller Lite. <laughs> Several. <laughs> Take that and then yeah. uh, sleep like a baby. Doctors in L.A. are going rogue when it comes to COVID. We'll talk about that and much more next. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. Uh, well, I found this pretty interesting because media is slowly but surely uh, propping up the midterm variant of COVID. Um, it's the whatever BA five. Uh, yeah, who cares? Six seven five three zero nine. Nobody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Tommy Two Tone variant. Yeah. Yes. No. Jenny. Jenny for short. Yes, mm-hmm. you can call it that. I think that's still okay, right? Because it's not. It's not referencing where it came from. No. So okay. So the so the two tone. Uh, Jenny Jenny variant is is going around and mm-hmm. you know it doesn't seem like this is putting more people in the hospital it doesn't seem like this is any deadlier it may spread quicker but through mat- natural immunity and immunization i mean it's it's uh, who cares it who seems is to be nothing more than a cold that uh, yeah so you got I doctors. I mean, again, you're going to have extremes you're going to have cases sure. where people are hospitalized and you are going to have deaths attached to it as well I found it interesting. Not to minimize that, I'm just saying. Yeah, I I found it interesting that with L.A. County, because they're talking about going under another mask mandate or something, uh, doctors at L.A. County USC Medical Complex kind of went rogue the other day talking about this, saying, look, this isn't this big death sentence thing, and I think there are people misleading the public. Only 10% of our COVID positive admissions are admitted due to COVID. Virtually none of them go to the ICU. And when they do go to the ICU, it is not for pneumonia. They are not intubated. They are not these horrible 100% FIO. We haven't seen one of those since, since February. It's been months. What we see is electrolyte abnormalities or somebody who had autoimmune attack of the nerves. And could that have been related to COVID? That's the kind of stuff that we're seeing. Right. It is just not the same pandemic as it was, despite all the media hype to the contrary. That seems like an important message to get out, except outside of a few conservative media outlets, I don't see that being talked about a lot. No. They got these guys who are saying, you know, they're not anti-COVID precaution or whatever. I mean, that, but, you know, they're saying what's being reported is not the reality in the hospital. Um, and so... Yeah, if you're somebody who is at a particular risk, sure, take precautions. But the idea, and I'll just expand on on those thoughts, but to me, you know, the idea of reinstituting any mask mandate, much less school closures or remote learning, which we know doesn't work, I mean, that's off the table now. It has to be off the table. And, I mean, I think the encouraging thing is you're seeing a lot of people move, are voting with their feet. They're just like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. In California, they're done. A lot of people are leaving. New York, did you see there? What, what, what was the number? It was like 30,000 kids in the school system gone. Mm, gone. 
because they've just moved out. They're not mm-hmm. enrolled anymore. It's, it's over. We're done with this. You know, they're going to places like Florida. They're going to places like Texas. You know, they're, they're going to places where they know the government is not going to freak out and shut them down, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Um, I want to believe that translates with voting, too, but we'll see. I don't know, man. I think I, I mean, think I hope so. I mean, I really do. I, I, I think people are not going to be voting on COVID policy. It's going to be on economics. And so I think it will actually translate for the most part. Well, and yeah. if you don't have economics to vote with. Yeah, yeah, you got nothing. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin show. Uh, biggest story of the day. Uh, well, you've got the White House saying we've done a great job on gas prices, even though it is still. Fantastic. You know, relative to before the big, big spike we saw, you know, if we were sitting here last time going 450 a gallon, oh, my gosh, that's a record high. Uh, but they're saying we've done great progress on this because we brought it down by about 50 cents. Also, uh, Dr. Rachel Levine, this is the uh, first I, lo- I love how they always say uh, the first openly transgender <laughs> yeah. Senate confirmed member of the cabinet, like there were secret Trans people. Transgender that, people, yeah. Let me know where they were because yeah, they weren't around. Um, anyway, she has something to say about putting children on puberty blockers. you got to hear it next. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is out today. Well, uh, Joe Biden is a historically unpopular president now, even lower than Donald Trump at any point in his term yeah. when it comes to the approval ratings. And we all know why. It's because it's been one disaster after another, and not caused by mean tweets. It's actual policy decision-making and their outcomes that is contributing to the fact that people just think Joe Biden sucks at being president. However, today in the Washington Post, they got a column up that said how media coverage drove Biden's political plunge. What? It's the media's fault for tricking people into not liking Joe Biden. Well, the media's run cover for him the entire time. The only time they've been really critical is during Afghanistan, and that brings me to this interesting take Mm, All right, from this uh, piece in the Washington Post. One of the sharpest dips in Biden's approval rating, which has dropped from 55% in January to less than 39% today, uh, happened last August when it declined almost five points in a single month. There wasn't a huge surge in gas prices nor some big legislative failure, what caused Biden's dip was the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, or rather, the media's 24-7 highly negative coverage of it. That was the only time when they really did go all in, and that's because you can't spin or lie your way out of that disaster. Because what they'd been saying for months about, yeah, we'll be able to get Americans out, we'll be able to get people who helped us through 20 years of warfare out Mm -hmm. when that failed. People remember that, that people have a generally negative opinion of that. When you're watching people clinging to the side of airplanes and falling to their deaths, that's not media spin. That's not media being overly critical. That's showing how much they screwed up in that moment. When you have service members that are killed in a suicide bombing attack which we were told was going to be very orderly right Mm -hmm. and it wasn't and 13 service members were killed in it 
people have a negative view of that. And then when you turn around in retribution and drone a bunch of kids and an aid worker, people have a negative view on that. And the Washington Post and some of the people who are still trying to prop up the corpse of this presidency are saying that it's somehow the media's fault (laughs) for showing people what was going on in America's longest war. That's rich. That it's just amazing to me. Mm-hmm. The delusion is strong. The other side of this, or the other part of this, I think that that we've certainly been talking about a lot is many of the things on the social front, social politics front. The Biden administration is completely upside down on, and one of the big ones is kids and the transgender craze that's going on right now. So Dr. Rachel Levine is uh, with Health and Human Services. Uh, Yes, uh, one of the top health officials in this country is an obese man who thinks he's a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, So Dr. Levine was on MSNBC talking about uh, trans-affirming care, which is puberty blockers, uh, double mastectomies for healthy girls, uh, genital mutilation, things like that. And how hateful it is that there are states moving to ban such practices or say that such practices constitute child abuse. Here's what Dr. Levine had to say. Well, you know, trans youth are are vulnerable, um, and they suffer significant harassment and bullying, uh, sometimes in schools or in their community. They have more mental health issues, but there's nothing inherent with being transgender or gender diverse, which would predispose youth to depression or anxiety. It is that harassment and bullying. that's That's a total falsehood. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting bullied and harassed, sure. That, that can contribute to it, but I'm sorry, if you're a healthy girl and you want a doctor to remove your breasts, you have other mental issues going on. It's not just, it's not bullies. And sadly- That's their to, go-to. That, yeah. That's their go-to all the time. And that leads to suicides, which leads to death, right. and all you want to do is kill young kids. No, I, and I don't. I've been I w- down this road before. Yeah, yeah that, that little girl who doesn't feel like she's in the right body, I want her to get help desperately. Yep. But it doesn't look like- life-changing hormone therapy. We've heard from too many kids who have detransitioned to think that that's a good course of action. But here, here Dr. Levine is out, out saying, yeah, that, this is what we got to support people doing. Now they're suffering politically motivated attacks through state uh, actions against these vulnerable transgender youth. This is not based upon data. This is, these, are, these, are, these actions are politically motivated. And so we really want to, 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 to base our treatment and, uh, and to uh, affirm and to uh, support and empower these youth, not to limit their participation in activities and sports and even uh, uh, limit their ability to get gender affirmation treatment in their state? Uh, no. Every, I'll just say every policymaker, but I know it won't be any Democrat, every policymaker should be saying, no, you cannot give kids uh, unproven hormone therapy treatment. It's not approved by the FDA. It hasn't gone that far. We don't know what the long-term effects of that are. What we have a glimpse of is that it's devastating for confused kids. When you're talking about surgery, yeah. that's devastating. And what happened is there are two, or what has happened and is happening is there are too many adults who are afraid to stand up and say, "No, this is madness. You are not going to surgically remove 
sex organs from healthy children and just kind of hope that everything works out for the best. And the I always one- thought the comedian Bill Maher put it best. You know, when he said when I was nine years old, I wanted to be a pirate, but my parents didn't remove my leg and give me a peg leg or pull my eye out, so I had an eye patch. Right. Yeah, they didn't do. I mean, we, you don't do that to children. No. No, you don't do that to children. I mean, if adults get to a point in their lives where they want to do this to themselves, whatever. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, honestly, I, I, honestly, I have no opinion on it. You can do it. I mean, you're yeah. free to do whatever you want to do in this country, as long as you're not harming anybody else. Yeah. In but, this case, it is harming children. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but a child, for God's sakes, yeah. 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 Uh, and that actually leads us into your trifecta. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Are you ready? It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. All right. Top three stories of the day, according to Scott Robbins. Sorry, but Casey Kasem is not available. because He's he, vacationing with Markley. He, he works with Markley exclusively. I said something about him years ago, and he still hasn't forgiven me for no, that he won't he won't do it with just you here yeah and me. St- no. st- starting out with number three uh trans swimmer leah thomas has been nominated by her school for a woman of the year award yeah the, uh, the ncaa made that big announcement that leah was in fact nominated well uh tennis legend martina Navratilova took to twitter which everybody does to express the sentiments that we're all thinking when it comes to biological men competing in women's sports now keep in mind who this is this is an outspoken advocate for LGBT, right? Yeah. Martina Navratilova has been out in the forefront on this for a long time. But when she got word of the Leah Thomas thing, she tweeted this out. Not enough fabulous biological women athletes, NCAA? Question mark, question mark. What's wrong with you? Transphobic! <laughs> what? It is crazy that you have this dude... Who says he's a woman now and is yeah. going to be woman of the year, or at least has been nominated by UPenn. Uh, yeah, it's, it, that's insanity. We need to stop playing pretend. Absolutely have yeah. to. Yeah, she said It's not about excluding transgender women from winning ever, but it is about not allowing them to win when they were not anywhere near winning as a man. Mm-hmm. You try to keep it as close as possible. But what would it have been had you been born in female biological body in the first place? Right. There you go. Yeah, it's not. It's just not fair. No, we're all that's all she's saying. Yeah. But, of course, she's got, you know, here we go. I, I'll say one thing about her. She's fearless. She's done this before. Oh, yeah. And took a beating for it uh, on, on social media. And she's about to again. Well, I think the thing that she realizes and that there have been a few left-wing people who have uh, crossed the trans uh activist class uh-huh you know what happens when you cross them and they get mad at you generally nothing right if you've got nothing to lose if they've got nothing to take from you you know you get dogpiled basically but most people yeah be mad online i don't care that yeah, fine as long as you have the courage of your convictions man you'll come out on top you'll be fine All right, it's the uh, trifecta, the top three stories of the day, according to Scott Robbins. Number two, Kamala Harris's second speechwriter has quit. Yeah, this is interesting. Her second chief speechwriter, 
after just four months. So online is what normally happens is this is broken out on Twitter. The hashtag write a speech for Kamala is now trending and people are adding their two cents. I'd just like to give you a couple of examples, David. Mm -hmm. This from Fuzzy Chimp, who writes, America is a country that's next to another country. And when America asked for what was asked for, (laughs) they got what they were asking for. But we must continue doing what we're doing, and that's to do what we've been doing. (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. We move on. Ultra Cabin. We will not live on this planet because it is our planet, the planet we live on, and not another planet which we don't live on because those other planets are really far away, and our planet is right here. We're on it right now. (laughs) And finally, we are gathered here today for a reason, and that reason is a very good reason. Indeed, in point of fact, it is the exact reason and only reason we're gathered here today. And what is that reason? Gathering. Gathering is the reason. <laughs> You're not just taking pot shots either, man. Because no, there's new audio here. She's uh, campaigning yes. for Democrats in Pennsylvania. Yes. Do you hear this? I haven't yet. No. And it's because of what you did then. So I'm here to ask you to do what you know how to do. Because when you do what you do on all of these issues, the American people win. Thank. There you go. You can't <laughs> do what you do because when you do what you do on all these issues, the American people win. There all right. One more. One more. All right. All right. And this is uh, write a speech for Kamala hashtag asking why is a question. When you want a question, you ask why we have to question why when we want answers. Answers are what you get when you question why. <laughs> why do we question? We question to get answers. Why? Why is also a letter. okay we still got to wrap this up here it's uh the scott robbins trifecta top three stories of the day npr NPR. disinformation team and that's number one yeah this was tweeted out today some great company news we're launching a disinformation team at npr so they're coming out and saying they push disinformation yeah (laughs) the members of the new disinformation team of course include a bunch of people who are, as you know, will be left-wing. Some of them will be outright hostile. We've seen that. So you can imagine these sort of fact-checking that's going to be going on now at NPR. But they want you to relax. You know that they're serious-minded journalists. <laughs> no, they're not. Maybe the defamation, uh, defamation team will start with them, but I doubt it. Well, yeah, before the election, they put out this big piece about, or big statement on how they weren't covering the Hunter Biden laptop, laptop story. Mm-hmm. Because they said uh, oh, it was well, disinformation. Absolutely, they Russian disinformation. Yes, yeah. and they weren't going to cover it. Period. Now, clearly, clearly, uh, they don't know what disinformation looks like. No, they're there to push a narrative. That's that's what your tax dollars go towards. Yep. yep. Absolutely. People who oh. hate you and don't think There's that you should. There's a lot have a of people that I used to work with that mm-hmm. are now working there. <laughs> are you saying that NPR is where bad? Radio Talent people goes, go uh, to work. Well, I've, I've known a few, and I wouldn't exactly call them exemplary. Put yeah, it that they, way. Yeah. As long as you can whisper into the mic like this and talk and 20, about Bolivian folk music. And 20 minutes on the Dwight Twilly Band. <laughs> we got Nimrods in the news coming up. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show.
The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is out today. Uh, man, it, it's, you hate to say something like, oh, it's refreshing to hear this because this was still a tragedy. Of course it was. But after hearing the complete and utter failures that happened in Uvalde, mm-hmm. it is good to hear that somebody saw something and did something in Indiana, Greenwood, Indiana. Guy walks in to a mall with a rifle, kills three people. In the course of that shooting, an armed citizen fought back, killed the shooter. And here's what the police chief had to say about it uh, as they were commending right. this good guy with a gun. I will say um, his actions were nothing short of heroic. Um, he engaged the, the gunman from quite a distance with a handgun, uh, was very proficient in that, very tactically sound. And as he moved to uh, close in on the suspect, he was also motioning for people to exit behind him. Um, he has, to our knowledge, uh, he has no police training and no uh, military background. I'm glad that guy was there because it could have been a lot worse. Oh, my. A yes. lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, it's one of those things. It's a tragedy, but I am glad that somebody was there to put a stop to it. And it should make this even more embarrassing for the police response in Uvalde. Yeah, it was okay. So this guy had the stones. Yeah. I mean, there was a possibility he was going to get shot at or shot. Yeah. Distinct possibility. But he did the right thing. Yeah. I mean, that's it, why you carry. That's, that's the Sivaldi thing is a disaster. Yeah, it is. These people uh, standing around doing nothing while you can hear the gunshots and right. the screams. I mean, my God, It man. is. All right, let's get to All right. All right. It's Nimrods in the News on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I love the poorly educated. <laughs> Oh, Nimrod's in the news. Uh, A student pilot was flying solo when he ran out of gas on Friday. Gas is expensive. Um, He had to land on the interstate in Missouri. He landed safely and didn't kill anyone, which is amazing. But it also turned out he was drunk while he did it. Oh, no. Well, you know, hey, you know, maybe that loosened him up a little bit so that he could land without hurting anybody. Yeah. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show.